coming up. Investigators, hey, what do you still need? They say, hey, someone knows, has information, knows what happened uh, to Xavier. We need those folks to come forward. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A 10-year-old boy has been reported missing and endangered in Montezuma, Iowa. Division of Criminal Investigation is looking for Iowans to help find Xavier Harrelson. They say Harrelson was last seen yesterday wearing a red T-shirt, blue pajama pants, and black high-top shoes. Take a look at his picture right now. If you know where he may be, contact the Powersheet County Sheriff's Office at the number here on your screen. That was a news report from May 28, 2021. 10-year-old Xavier Harrelson had gone missing the day before. It's hard to come to grasp that just one day he was riding his bike, playing with his friends, and then next thing you know, he's gone. Now, over one year later, a community is left waiting for answers. Today, orange ribbons still line the streets of Montezuma in Xavier's honor. We still have personnel, agents, and deputies assigned to it, constantly evaluating old information, you know, a little bit of new information coming in. Tonight, Local 5's John Diaz has the latest on the investigation and how the community is looking back on the days following his disappearance. John Diaz is joining me from We Are Iowa in Des Moines, where he's been looking back at a heartbreaking case from the town of Montezuma, Iowa, John, tell us about this night in May of 2021, a little over a year ago, when tragedy struck this small town. Yeah, it was probably end of May, May 27th-ish, when um, a young boy, 10-year-old Xavier Harrelson, was reported missing. And, um, you know, initially, it it sounds like from, from talking to the folks in town, that the first thought or maybe the first hope was that, you know, he was just off at somebody's house playing. Uh, You know, this is kind of a small town, so that wouldn't necessarily have been terribly unusual. Um, But as the night wore on, uh, and it was uh, kind of a a cold night, a cold rainy night, so uh, there was concern when um, they couldn't find him. And uh, eventually after, you know, a lot of folks sort of got involved in trying to find him that night, it became evident that, that he wasn't necessarily anywhere to be found in the immediate area. Um, He was reported missing uh, by a family friend, and really that's kind of how everything started um, in in that town. People were going to all different sections of town and just trying to to locate him. Xavier was nowhere to be found almost immediately, his disappearance hitting the community hard. Scared, panicky, um, angry. Like, we went through the whole gamut of emotions. I want to talk more about the search efforts, but first, what else can you tell us about Xavier Harrelson, this 10-year-old boy who went missing? You know, from talking to the folks uh, in town, you really got a sense that he was a sweet little boy. Uh, You got a sense that he was very friendly and very sort of engaging with people. Um, We've talked with people uh, over the course of the year who... Um, have memories of interacting with him, Um, even though maybe, you know, they weren't a close acquaintance, but they just sort of remember him uh, from being in town. The loss of him, he made made this place whole. 
you know, every little smile, um, every little giggle, you know, it, it's heartbreaking. You know, there was a lot of heartbreak and sadness when um, he was missing and as he uh, went missing for, you know, uh, days and then weeks and then obviously longer after that. As you talked about, Montezuma is a small town. How did this community respond after Xavier went missing? Well, initially uh, that night, uh, a lot of the the, the folks in town uh, kind of joined in the efforts to to look for him. Um, after that, uh, several days later, um, the uh, law enforcement, uh, really, or Parachute County uh, Sheriff's Office, organized uh, a, a search effort. Grabbing vests, signing names, gathering in a school parking lot on a holiday weekend, all for Xavier Harrelson. You know, just a cute kid. A cute kid many just know by a photo. Samantha Sutvin doesn't know Xavier personally, but she still has a close connection. So we live right across the street. Uh, we got there the second the cops got there, too. Law enforcement now aided by community members like Samantha in the search for Xavier. Samantha's a mother who can't help but to put herself in the shoes of Xavier's family. It's very difficult. It's, I mean, it's, if anything awful happened, I mean, I really hope we find him okay. And that brought out um, nearly 500 people. Um, and when we're talking about 500 people, we're talking about 500 volunteers, uh, obviously many from the community, but from surrounding communities as well. Volunteers bust in groups of 40 to canvas areas near Xavier's home. Obviously the overall goal is to find Xavier find him safe and get him get him back. While volunteers searched in the open, law enforcement tackled rougher areas, combing through brush at Diamond Lake Park, where they also searched the day before. Just because it's in close proximity to his residence and his neighborhood, you know, they have dive teams. Uh, so we did check both in and around the lake. One thing to kind of note here is that Montezuma really isn't too far away from Brooklyn, Iowa, uh, and that was where uh, Molly Tibbetts had gone missing several years prior. But the similarities are sobering between the time spent searching for Xavier and Molly Tibbetts. Another time, Powasheet County was missing one of their own. We spent five weeks out here in 2018 searching for Molly and then so much time thereafter. It weighs on everybody, it, not just law enforcement, but the community. Um, and all of this was happening as the uh, trial of uh, Christian Bahena Rivera was wrapping up. And he was the, the man who was eventually um, uh, convicted of killing Molly Tibbetts. But his trial was taking place in Montezuma. So, or his, um, you know, that that sort of was where that was centered, at least uh, in Powashi County. His trial was actually in eastern Iowa. But um, Suffice it to say, there was just sort of that recent memory of that having happened. And so uh, there was a lot of folks from uh, the Montezuma area and then the neighboring communities who came out to help in those search efforts. A community touched by loss coming together once more. I think it should touch every Iowan's heart. Wanted to be a part, try to help. Hoping they can find him safe. What do those search efforts look like then as time goes on? And how does the search eventually come to an end months later? Well, that initial search that happened that weekend, and that, that was actually the weekend where um, Xavier was his birthday. He was, he was 10 when he went missing. He would have turned 11. I think really the day that that massive search effort happened, there were additional searches that happened later. Some of them were 
a little bit. All of them were smaller, it seemed like, in comparison to that first one. And it's it was never exactly clear what drove uh, particularly investigators to the particular areas that they targeted for um, for searches. But when um, they did do those searches, uh, it seemed as if they were going to a very specific place for a very specific reason. And so all of those, unfortunately, never seemed to, um, at least uh, to us, yield a lot of uh, information. Um, they didn't necessarily result in finding Xavier. It really wasn't until um, a farmer uh, was working out in his field that he really seemed to come across, at least that's what it seems like, he seemed to come across uh, some remains in his field. And we can confirm at this time that it is human remains. That's been confirmed by the state medical examiner's office. Um, It appears to be that of an adolescent. And where that, uh, where his farm was, was essentially just west of town. And so it was, in everybody's mind, I think, um, the first thought was, could this be Xavier? And that's really kind of where all of this and, and the investigation really turned that corner. human remains found in a farmer's field near Montezuma late last month belonged to 10-year-old Xavier Harrelson. The Iowa State Medical Examiner notified the Powasheet County Sheriff tonight that they have made the ID. And when it is confirmed that that was Xavier, after months of, of searching and hoping he was still alive, I have to imagine that news hit this small community awfully hard. Well, yeah, it did. And here's here was the tough part is is that it seemed as if everybody knew, and I'll say knew, but quote unquote knew that these remains were uh, of those of Xavier. And the reason for that is is that the remains that were found, um, they were found with the same clothing, um, same clothing description of what Xavier was last seen wearing. And so even though we didn't get immediate confirmation that um, of, of who those remains belonged to, um, uh, authorities did release that information. And so at that point, it was just um, everyone seemed sure um, that essentially the search for Xavier uh, was over. So even before the confirmation, um, it, it, that's when it, I think, really hit everyone um, the the confirmation that came um, several weeks later was just um, really a confirmation of something that everybody had already known and and all of that information had sort of already settled in for them. Glad that we got a little bit of closure, but it's really sad and unfortunate that we had to find out this way. And I know that for um, some of the elementary kids, it's been really hard on them. Now, neighbors mourn the loss of a young boy who, by all accounts, lit up his community. Kevin Kotzer, a Montezuma resident, remembers Xavier's playdates with his daughter, where the two would take bike rides and play Minecraft. Like my daughter still, she doesn't say anything about him, but anytime his name's mentioned, she gets like a sad look on her face. With the worst news made official, residents are working through their grief as best they can, but that's not an easy process. For my family, we just 
go day by day and try to look forward. There was something I kept hearing from everyone I spoke with today. Montezuma doesn't want to forget Xavier. Community members want to keep the boy's memory alive for a long time to come. I hope that they remember that he was a very fun and playful kid and that um, just he was someone that went to Montezuma and I just hope that everyone does remember him. This was all back in the fall of 2021. Here we are now in June of 2022. Do we know how Xavier Harrelson died? Has that information been released? No, it hasn't. And we uh, recently, uh, within the past couple of weeks, did ask the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation that specific question, what was the cause, the manner of death? And to both of those questions, they would not share the answer, um, saying that this was still part of um, information that they were withholding um, because of the investigation. And so, you know, that that's not unusual that there is information withheld. Um, unfortunately, I think for a lot of folks, it's it's just a piece of of the puzzle. It's it's one more sort of understanding of of what happened and why it happened um, that they that they want to know. Um, and you know that's part of uh, a little bit of the frustration um, that people feel. They they respect the work. Uh, at least the folks we've talked to respect the work that law enforcement is doing in the investigation while still having feelings of frustration that they don't have answers now a year later uh, to essentially um, what happened really to Xavier and um, and who can be held accountable for it. So it's not just Xavier's cause of death that hasn't been released, but the manner of death hasn't been released either. So we don't know or it hasn't been confirmed at this point by investigators that this is a homicide investigation? Well, technically, no, that's not, you know, the investigators have not said that. Um, I I think the the presumption um, out there is that that is what is the case because the investigation continues and they're still looking for information. And, um, you know, when you ask uh, investigators, hey, what do you still need? They say, hey, someone knows has information, knows what happened uh, to Xavier. We need those folks to come forward. And so that really gives you a sense that um, they believe something happened that someone would have knowledge of, if that makes sense. Someone or people out there that know what happened, um, if, you know, we, we implore them to come forward with any information. But... Again, there's still just a lot of unanswered questions as to, uh, as, to, as to the house. You recently talked to the mayor of Montezuma, Jackie Bolin, around the anniversary of Xavier's disappearance. What did she say the feeling in the community is a year later still not knowing what happened? Well, I think she really mentioned two things. One, it's that frustration of not having answers, um, while at the same time recognizing that uh, law enforcement um, has a, a very particular, you know, a job to do, uh, and part of that job involves uh, maintaining the integrity of of the investigation. And so, um, she is, you know, she she talked about she's a mom, she's a grandmother, she so she understands it from a very personal aspect. She also understands it as a city official who's um, having to. Uh, sort of be a leader for the community um, in terms of um, of 
balancing uh, those two essentially conflicting thoughts and conflicting emotions. The other uh, thing that she has to uh, deal with is the is the fact that um, this is a situation where people may have their own theories as to what happened. And um, these are theories that are not, at least from our perspective as as journalists, not founded in sort of an authoritative source. Uh, and so it's not something we report on or talk about. Um, but she's having to recognize that that can exist and happen in a small community and having to really make sure that she's um, uh, not allowing th- those rumors and that conversation to um, uh, distract from essentially important work that investigators are doing. You mentioned investigators have been asking the public for information. Have they said what kind of information they think it might take to get this case solved, where they think answers might come from? So, yeah, they've, they've talked about uh, certainly getting that information, whether it's um, information about what happened, either d- direct information about what happened to Xavier or just another piece of information that may seem completely irrelevant to this case, but may be the piece of information that they need to really connect the dots. They've also talked about how sometimes in these cases – um, they look for similarities or connections to perhaps other cases um, that are happening, whether it's in that particular area in Iowa or other parts of the country even. Um, they have found that sometimes those are the connections that they need to make. Sometimes evidence from one case um, can open the door and, and shed light on evidence that they already have in another case. So there's various avenues in that regard that um, they're hoping will help them connect the dots. Another thing that I found interesting that they talked about is when we asked them, hey, is this an active investigation? They said, yeah, it's an active investigation. There's an agent from uh, DCI assigned to it. There's also uh, a deputy from the Powashi County Sheriff's Office assigned to it. And while maybe they're not focused on this case every single day, It is a case that's assigned to them, and they have routine conversations about um, not only the information they already have, but new information that even though it doesn't come in very often, is still coming in. So there seems to have been um, within the past year and, and more recently new information what that information is and whether or not it, it has aided in the investigation, we don't know. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons that they um, want to continue to get that message out to folks that um, there, there may be information in somebody's mind that um, could help um, with this investigation. In some cases, investigators start to release more and more information about a case when they're scraping the barrel, when they really need new leads to reignite a case. But the flip side of that is that sometimes the public is hearing nothing about a case, but it's a really active investigation behind the scenes. And so a lack of updates doesn't necessarily mean that this investigation isn't moving forward. But at the same time, I'm sure it's frustrating for people in the community, for anyone following this case that wants to know what happened, that wants answers. 
Yeah, it's really it's really tough to tell, and that's why in these cases we we have to continue to follow up on these stories in some sort of regular cadence. Um, we can certainly uh, wait for them to say, "Hey, we have some new information to share." Um, but um, the more that we again with some regularity say, "Hey, what's new? What's different?" Um, you know, it's it it hopefully you know, does some good in terms of getting information out that uh, people should hear or that, you know, may be even helpful um, to, to wrap this up. John Diaz with We Are Iowa. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you subscribe to or follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you might be listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>